Word. Turn to John 14. We're going to read John 14, 27, if you're taking notes. Uh, I've got the opportunity to talk about peace, which is very interesting, because as we uh, stood in a staff meeting several weeks ago, uh, or sat in a staff meeting, um, we divided up the weeks of Advent, which who's going to do what, and me, me and John were between the 18th or the 8th and the 15th, and I told, I deferred to my elder and said, man, whatever you want to do, you know, I'll do the opposite. So he picked the 15th, I picked the 8th, and then uh, we're like, okay, well, what's, what's everybody actually preaching on? And when I heard peace, it was just ironic, because that week I had uh, been to the doctor for chest pains that I've been dealing with for two weeks and anxiety problems, so I was like, oh, this is going to be fitting. So, uh, I love the fact that God puts things together before we even know what's going on. So, this, this morning's message is as much for me as it is for you. So, let's dig into the Word this morning. John chapter 14, we're going to read the words of Christ in verse 27. And uh, John chapter 14, 15, 16, 17 is just this big, long speech that uh, Jesus gives before He goes to the cross to those who are very intimate with Him. And so... These are like his last words, his parting words before he goes to the cross and sacrifices his life. So John 14, verse 27, it's Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. If you have a pen, I, I like to mark up my Bible, um, as you can see, and like, I like to mark it up. So underline, if you would, my peace, in verse 27, it says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Chain, uh, turn over one page to John 16, verse 33, and Jesus uh, reiterates the same statement. In 1633, he says, These things I have spoken to you so that in me, who? In me, which is Jesus, in me you may have peace. In the world you will or you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. Heavenly Father, I give you this morning... God, I don't know if I felt quite uh, as inadequate preaching a sermon and unqualified to teach uh, on a topic as much as I do today, but God, I pray that your spirit would take over and your word would impact the lives of your people because, God, you are good, you're sovereign, you're at work, and you love us. And so this morning, may your word penetrate and touch our hearts, and uh, I give you today. We love you, we thank you, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, statistics show there is a serious problem in the United States today with the word peace. There's been hundreds of books written. I don't want to rewrite them. You can go read them if you'd like. I've read them. But the honest truth is, when fear hits, there is a, a major problem if you are not prepared for it. Because fear can overwhelm you. And I, and I don't want to put any false facade on this morning to think that because you're in the church, there's not people in this room struggling with fear, depression, or anxiety. I know better. And I'll talk a little bit uh, later about that. But before I do, I want to share just a bit of my story with you. I wrote it out. I'm going to try to go by it. We'll see. Um, December 4th of 2017, so almost two years, a little over two years to the date, I, I was in the ER at Shelby Baptist with heavy chest pains. Um, I had had a panic attack a few weeks or a few days, maybe a week or two before. I came home from the widow, first widow's cruise back in 2017, and I started having chest pains. 
And it got to the place where I was unable to work. My boss, actually, I came into work one day, and I was in such a bad shape mentally that he actually just told me, he said, man, just go to, go to Chick-fil-A down the street, spend some time, get your head right, because you're just, you're not here. Um, and it got to the place where I ended up going to the Shelby Baptist just to make sure I didn't have a heart attack because I was having such heavy chest pains, uh, pains in my left arm. Um, ironically, that exact same day is also the day Michelle found out that she was pregnant with Kate which is kind of interesting. So she has a husband in the hospital with chest pains, and she just found out that she has a baby on the way. So that was not a fun day for her. Um, <clears throat> but in the weeks to follow, I would go through test after test, echocardiogram, stress test. I had a, uh, a GI scope done to see what was going on, and everything came back normal. The doctor just said, hey, everything's uh, from a physical perspective. He said, your heart's fine. Uh, your heart's good. Blood pressure was good. Everything was good with the heart. They sent me uh, home with... Uh, Acid reflux medicine, said you're fine. Get counseling. <laughs> so y'all want to know what I did, right? Call John Trahan. <laughs> I'm not an idiot. <laughs> so, and you know, what's funny is he actually uh, gave me this book to read. And I, looking back at two years now since that first started, I, I didn't realize how much this book impacted me. So I appreciate you giving me this. And some of you have dealt or counsel with John Trahan with anxiety have probably read this book or have been referenced to this book. Um, and this book was very interesting to me, not interesting, impactful to me, because I would go to counseling, I would, and all of a sudden it became a lot more proactive with my anxiety. I began, um, you know, I knew, I actually looked up a few places where I could go to get medication, Christian counselors, um, to get medication for anxiety, because I would literally wake up night after night for several months in a row, waking up with panic attacks, anxiety attacks. Um, I went through batteries on a blood pressure cuff like nobody's business. Um, but that was my reality. It would be night after night. I would have panic attack around between 11.30 and then 2.30 in the morning, somewhere in there. It would be night after night after night. Um, so I began to be a little more proactive. I didn't want to go to medication because I knew I had a deeper issue that was causing it. It wasn't a physical thing. It wasn't, and I, you know, what your beliefs are in medication is it's between you and God. For me, I knew there was a deeper issue, and I wanted freedom from it. I didn't want to cover up the symptoms. I wanted freedom from it. And so I would counsel with John. I would counsel with Mark. I would actually take this book, and what I did with this book is... Um, when I read through it, I would go through each of the scripture verses that was on God's goodness, his sovereignty, fear, any of those things, and I would write them out on three-by-five cards, and I would spend 20 to 30 minutes every night before bed verbally reading through these three-by-five cards two, three, four times every single night. So the last thing going into my head and my spirit was the Word of God. And I believe through that process is one reason I have become so passionate about the power of God's Word, because I've seen it make a difference in me. Is the anxiety gone? No. Um, I'd love to tell you that. Over the years, I've had good moments. I've had bad moments. After that, counseling with John, reading through the book, I was dealt some things with my dad. Um, and I went weeks and months, actually, without any panic attacks. I was able to make it through the night. And then we had a baby. And the thing a baby does is it gets you less, you know, le your patience is out the window. Your sleep is less. And so it pushes you to the limits of what you can handle. And I'll never forget one, one night in August, I was holding Kate, watching a video on Facebook, and I felt it come on. And I remember telling my wife, I said, take, take Kate, i got to go lay down. And, it, and that started a reoccurrence. It ended up actually being worse than the first time. And I remember a changing point in my life 
there was one night, I do not remember when it was, it was right after the ladies' retreat in 2018. Uh, we had dinner at Martha's house, my mother-in-law's house, because she had just got back from ladies' retreat, so we wanted to hear all about it. I was so overwhelmed with chest pains and anxiety that I could not even sit at the table. I was laying on the couch crying because I, I, I was so overwhelmed by anxiety, fear, and stress that I was going to die. I was having a heart attack, and I should be at the hospital, even though everything tells me from a medical perspective I'm fine. So how I felt was irrational, most fear is, was not lining up with what was actually happening. So anyways, I don't think I'll ever forget the moment that Martha came over and uh, sat next to me on the couch as I was sitting there crying and different things, and she has been such a point of peace in my life. I'll call her, and she is a, such a special lady. She, she works in hospice, so you know she's special. But she's been such a great, from this night on, a great voice of peace and comfort in my life. She handed me a piece of paper from that ladies' retreat that was a letter from God that she got from that lady's retreat. And it talked about, and the whole thing was about, um, you've got to give me your family. I didn't bless you with your family in order to bring fear of the future into your life. So just like Jacob, you have to surrender these things to your, my hands and live in the peace that I have to offer. That moment, Holy Spirit came and started to calm it down. He, the anxiety's still there. I still have to fight it some days. When I approach this sermon on peace, understand that this is, this is something that is very real to me because I've lived it over the past two years. Uh, John can attest to that. Mark can attest to it. Um, however, I've also seen the power that is in God's Word. So as we go into peace this morning, I want you to understand, like I'm not preaching from a pulpit of, y'all need to do this and that. I'm preaching from a pulpit, but this is what God has brought into my life to bring freedom in my life. That is not 100%. I've prayed who knows how many times. And God said, Brian, will you still trust me if it never goes away? That's a hard question when you're up at 3 o'clock in the morning, three months in a row with anxiety. What are you going to do? Anyways, so welcome to my testimony. So all that to say, I want to talk about peace in the aspect of the world tells us what peace is, and then God's Word tells us what peace is. And the truth of the matter is, there's two different things, okay? So we have to understand, and I am in no, again, no uh, disillusionment to think that people in this room are not struggling with fear and anxiety and depression. I know better. Why? Because I looked at the statistics. According to the Rochester that word, project, antidepressants ranked only behind antibiotics as the most or prescribed drugs in America. In those considered young and middle-aged, so in 20s, 30s, 40s, antidepressants were actually the number one prescribed drug, and Alabama is ranked second in the United States as the most prescribed drug state in America. So, I'm not under the illusion that people in this room are not struggling, like me. But what I do know is that we have a God who loves us, who has given us His Word, who has sent His Son, that we may live in His peace. Not in a false peace that the world tries to tell you through a career security, which we'll get into, but He has come to give us His 
peace. So what is peace? We have a small video I want you to watch that are going to get into the definition of peace, and then we will uh, come back to the word. So peace is not just a matter of eliminating obstacles or, or bringing a peace of calmness, but it's about completion. It's about redemption. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, which we know so well in this church. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known, made known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, the completion of God, the restoration of God, the, complete, the fullness of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That brings such a different element, doesn't it? The fact that so many times in this world we have this idea that we want peace, that we're searching after peace, that, okay, God came to bring peace. Well, He didn't just come to bring a calmness to your life. He came to bring a completion, a restoration to your life when things in life are so messed up. And this problem of peace didn't start in the United States. It didn't start with you. It started in the Garden of Eden when our peace, our shalom was broken with the fall of man when centered in the world, with our oneness and wholeness with Christ and that relationship was broken in the garden. At that point on, we needed a Savior. We needed redemption. We needed our peace restored. And that is what Christ came to bring. At Christmas, He didn't just come to bring us peace so that we can have calmness in our homes so our kids don't drive us crazy so we're not having panic attacks. No, He came to bring a wholeness and a completion to your life. which is so different than what we seek sometimes. We ask God to come, God, give me peace because I don't like feeling anxious. God, give me peace because I don't like feeling depressed. God, give me peace because I'm stressed out about the finances or the job. We pray for the situation, not understanding that God came to bring peace and a wholeness to who you are and out of who He has made you to be and that foundation of who you are in Christ, therefore, from that relationship, you can have peace. He doesn't bring peace to situations. He brings peace to who you are, a completion and a wholeness. Does that make sense? So I'm going to try to keep this to less than two hours, okay? Um, and no, we actually, when I, when I sent that video to John, I said, man, this is going to preach a sermon for me. I can just cut this down because it just tells you everything. So I'm just going to really talk about application. But I do want to point out the difference this morning between the world's peace and the peace that Christ came to bring. Because in Christ, we have a peace. His peace. Not as the world gives, but His own. So let's compare and contrast some things. First of all, the world's peace says, serve your desires. Man, I can't tell you how many times on a Friday I hear, man, I'm glad it's Friday. Friday, it's Friday, it's Friday. Yes! Do you know, I mean, are you really living so much for a weekend that you miss out what God wants to do in your life from Monday through Friday? And the truth of the matter is, yes, most people are. That's why we have no peace. Because we search for peace by the fulfillment of our desires. And we feel like, well, we have to do that on the weekends, whether it's at the lake or with the kids or doing this or watching that. But the true peace that we are searching for, that the world is searching for, can only be found in a wholeness in Christ. And we see it today, right? 
We, we, we will find peace when I get what I want. When I purchase that. Why is credit card debt so stupid high in America? It's because we're trying to fill that void, that wholeness, that completion that we're just not getting. We're trying to find it with things and experiences and stuff. Don't get me wrong. I love experiences. I love hanging out with our kids. I love going to Home Depot yesterday and hanging out with the Ranger kids. That was a great experience. I'd much rather do that than things. But still, even experiences cannot bring me the peace that my heart, my, heart, my soul desires so deeply. But the world tells us, man, just watch a commercial, man. Especially this time of the year when the commercials just show you how great life can be if you have this. That, but how many of us buy into it? How many of us have bought into it with a guy or a girl? I'll find wholeness and completion in that relationship because he's that good looking. That's why my wife, that's why me and my, I got my wife is because we dated long distance. I was in Alabama and she was in Michigan, so she couldn't see me that much. She wasn't in the room, so I could say that. Um, but honestly, we try to find that peace, that wholeness and completion in that other person. And that's why divorce rates, even in our churches, continue to skyrocket. Because we're looking to people, we're looking to things, we're looking to fill that desire inside that we have to hopefully, when I get this, when I get that person, when I get married, when we have those kids, I will find wholeness, I will find completion, I will find peace. That's not the peace that Christ offers us in the Word. The, world all said, uh, the world's peace says eliminate adversities. Cut the fat, get skinny, eliminate the stress. Step over whoever you need to. Become one with nature. Find who you are. Don't let anyone put you into a box. Get rid of, run, push away anything that breaks your peace. The world has become so against anybody that disagrees with them. We don't like adversity. My goodness, to how easily people today get offended at the smallest of things. I feel like I'm this gender. I feel like I like this person. We go so much by our feelings. We don't want anybody to disagree with us. We don't like adversity. We don't like hard situations. And yet God says, you're going to face tribulation. Get over it. It's going to happen. But the world tells us, get away from it. Do what you need to. Blame the other person. Justify it. If you feel like being a man, be a man. If you feel like being a woman, be a woman. Whatever you feel like you need to do, you do that because you can't be wrong. Is it not what we... Watch the news. It's exactly what our, our culture is saying. Whatever you feel like you are, you are. You cannot be wrong nowadays. Guess what? We want to step up on our high horse as a church and go, yeah, the Word of God says this, a man and woman says this, and you're absolutely right. But I'm sorry, we see the same thing in our churches as we do in our culture. Why is our divorce rate high in our culture? As much as it is in the church, if not higher in the church. Why are pastors falling left and right? Don't, I mean, it's, this is not a world and church problem. This is a human nature problem that we have to look to the Word of God to fix. So we don't have a right to look at the world and go, well, they shouldn't be doing this. The Word of God said so they don't care about the Word of God. 
How about let's look at our own lives and go, why am I not living in the peace that God tells me I should be living in, the peace that he brought me? Why do my kids set me so far off that I can't sleep till 3 o'clock at night? Anywho. Remember, Swiss Army knife. The peace, I, this is where really I'm going to start taking people off. The world's peace is found in security. Professional, medical, financial. I've had many conversations with people whose emotional stability is based upon their job, their finances, or their medical situation. And I'm just going to be really honest with you. It, it bothers me when I sit and talk to believers. I'm not talking about the world, I'm talking about believers. It, it bothers me when I sit down and talk about a new job possibility with a believer. And the first things they talk about is the insurance and the money. Don't get me wrong. Look, read the book of Proverbs, read the book of James. We are called to be wise in our finances. We are called to be wise in our professions. We're called to be wise in all those things. And I can't wait. You know, uh, Pastor Chris is going to do a uh, teaching in the book of January and February on living God's will for your life. Not finding it. We already found it. It's called the Word of God. Read it. Living the Word of living God's will in your life. But, but my goodness, how much of, of the decision-making we do nowadays, even in the church, is based so much on securing what we have here. Whether it's a job, whether it's our finances. Wow, I knew it was going to get quiet. But let's just be honest. We change jobs because of what reason? Money, benefits, insurance. How much into play does it come? I get an opportunity to be Jesus there. I get an opportunity there to advance the kingdom of God more. I believe God is calling me to there. The world tells us, because here's the thing you need to understand. The world doesn't have an eternal mindset. They have a here and now. So everything, every decision they make is about the here and now. So if they can secure the here and now as closely as possible, they can have peace, right? Guess what? We're not, eter- we're, not, we're not here and now people in the church. God has called us to be eternally minded people. So every decision, how we make, our, how we think, how we make decisions need to be eternally Focused people. Plain and simple. And here's the thing. Like, is it to be wise? Yes. I mean, if a job is offering you twice as much, you really need to consider that God may be calling you elsewhere to take care of better care of your family. That may be full and well what God is trying to do. But man... We really need to be careful of our priorities in which we're searching for. Don't get me wrong. We have life insurance. We have health insurance in our family. All of those things are, to me, wise. But they are not the basis for decision-making for our family in my, in my life. Okay? This is the decision-making foundation for my family. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Okay? 
how much, and I really want you to get to this, if you are struggling with unsettled, in, with fear, anxiety, and depression, how, and I really, you have to learn to be brutally honest. I mean, cerebrally honest with yourself. Until the place you can get so honest with yourself that you're just, you're done with everything else. I've got to get to the, the heart of this. I, I mean, I had to get to the place where panic attacks drove me to the place where I could be brutally honest with myself and go, I don't believe God's word enough to not fear death. Because if I believe God's word, I wouldn't be so afraid of death, right? If I really believe the fact that when I die, I get to spend eternity with my Savior who I love so much, why would the greatest fear in my life be that moment? I had to get to the place where maybe I didn't believe God's word as much as I thought I did. And until we get to the place where we can be brutally honest with ourselves and confront ourselves to go, maybe I'm not as strong in this as I thought I was we will not be able to overcome the fear, the depression, the anxiety that is controlling our nights and our waking moments. And that's just honestly from my life here. So I don't know if it's security, I don't know if it's professional, I don't know if it's financial, but I, what I do know is that what we care about most is the things that we will fear most losing. Whether it's our lives, whether it's our families, whether it's our jobs, our security, our finances. So if you're struggling with fear and anxiety, you have to get to the place where you go, what am I truly fearing and why? At what point, at what disconnect, and this is the thing that John and I talked about, where's the disconnect believe where I mentally believe God's word and what I'm experiencing in the moment? Because there's a disconnect. I believe God said, my peace I leave with you, my, you know, you're going to face tribulation, but in the world I've overcome, God has, a, this, God has told me in His Word, we read it this morning, that He has given me peace, right? Philippians 4, what does it say? And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So if that's what the Word says, why, and I believe it mentally, why is my emotional aspect in the life I'm living not lining up with God's Word? Is it a God's word problem or is it my honest and true belief of God's word? One of the two is wrong because they're not lining up. Until we get to the place where we can be humble enough to admit I'm the problem, not my situations, not my surroundings, I'm the problem, then we will experience the peace that our soul desires. When we submit ourselves and our lives to God's word because God's word is God's Word. Okay? This is my belief. This is, I get to preach, so this is what I get to say. <laughs> what about Christ's peace? Christ's peace is found in obedience and in community. 1 Samuel 15, 22, he writes, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, to heed than the fat of rams. You may be experiencing fear, anxiety, and depression basically because you're not obeying God's word. Simple as that. We go back to Philippians chapter 4. Let's just break down. I'm really trying to get through this. Let's break down two things. Our responsibility and what God does. Okay, are you ready to listen for me? Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I'll say rejoice. That's on us, right? Let your gentle be spirit. You let your gentle spirit 
be known to all men. Who's it? That's on us. The Lord is near. That's on Him. So He's near. Be anxious for nothing. That's on us. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. That's on us. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds on Christ Jesus. That's on Him. Right? So we need to differentiate what we're responsible for and what He's responsible for. Make sense? So maybe if we have an unruly spirit inside of ourselves, maybe if we have the fear and anxiety, it's because we're simply not doing what He's already commanded us to do, whether you know it or not. Making friends. John 13, 34, and 35. Jesus, again, going back to these chapters in John, says, A new commandment I give to you, this is Christ, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men may know that you are my disciples if you love for one another. Love God, love people, trust, obey. I believe the problem, one of the problems that we have, and this is just from my personal experience, the things I've experienced, the things I've read, one issue that we get so caught up in fear, anxiety, and depression is because we make life about us. The world says, search your desires, make your desires. And I'm telling you, looking back in those darkest nights, even at Martha's house, in those panic attack moments, everything was about what I was going through. My life in that moment was about me. I wouldn't admit it to you at the moment. But when you got outside of yourself and started serving and loving other people where they're at, I'm telling you, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There's something about, there's a reason God has commanded us to commit and live together in unity in one body. Because we only find completion when we are connected to the body of Christ. Remember, peace is not just a non without, it's a completion, it's a restoration, correct? So therefore, we need to be whole. We need to be complete. And God called us to do that in community with one another. So how are we going to make peace if we refuse to commit to living in unity with His body? And unity does not mean coming to church once or twice a month. Unity is mean being vulnerable enough to admit to somebody you're struggling. Being vulnerable enough to say, I need help. Being vulnerable enough to allow them to get onto you that your life is not lining up with what you believe. If you want peace, this is what it takes. This is God's peace that we're talking about. If you want the world's peace that you can feel in a moment that's gone tomorrow, go serve yourself. But that's not what Christ came for. He wanted His peace to guard your hearts and minds. He wanted you to live in the freedom of His peace. He wanted to restore and make you whole. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Is because love came down. Because God's peace came down. And that can be found in obedience. So if you're struggling with a lack of peace in your life, I challenge you to find others to serve and commit your life to. Get a hold of a one another group. If you're not going to one, ask yourself why. Is it because you've allowed fear to believe that you're going to get hurt? Have you allowed fear to think that I don't have the time? Commit to one another. We need each other to truly live in the fullness, the completion, and the peace that God has to offer. Maybe that's my opinion, but that's what I get when I read the Word of God. So Christ's peace keeps us steady in adversities. God's Word doesn't say run from adversities. It says God will keep you peace in adversities. 
Going back to John 16, what does he say? These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. Not you might, you have it. It's there, it's real, it's relevant. Sin's in the world, so you're going to face trials, you're going to face hardships, you're going to face problems, you're going to get hurt by people. People are going to hurt you. Nothing's going to hurt you as bad as people. But in this world, I have already overcome it. This peace I have to offer you. The world tells us, run away from it, cover it up, whatever you do. The Bible says, take heart, be strong, stand. Don't back down from it. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. We sung it this morning. Are we living it? God said, doesn't matter what you face, I have already overcome it. Live in my peace, live in my wholeness, live in my completion. Because when you run from it, you allow the fear and the anxiety from that situation to overwhelm you. Because you are running away from the peace that God offers. Because you're going down a path that He didn't call you to, nine times out of ten. Don't get me wrong, this is not the same thing as running from temptation. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that he says, flee from sexual immorality. Flee. Don't mess with it. Run from it. That's biblical. But you don't run from, uh, ever, from church to church because you don't like the pastor or because you have issues with people. You don't run from your spouse because you're right and she's wrong. You don't run because that person let you down and that friendship is just too hard. Hearts just too much. You don't run from job to job because it's just not what you thought it was going to be. They don't offer the insurance that, you know. Who do we serve? What's our lives about? God has told us in His Word that tribulation will come. I am here to make you whole and complete. So whatever faces you, whatever you go through, whatever adversity comes through, go back to Philippians chapter 4. What does it say? Make your request, make your supplication, make your anxiety known before God. Make it known to Him. Run to Him. Night after night, morning after morning, I would get up and journal and pray and say, God, you got to take this away. I can't even sleep at night because of my anxiety. Run to Him. And in my situation, everybody's different. I knew that if I tried to run just simply to John or Mark or to a pill bottle, I knew that it, the, the root cause would not go away. I had to run to God's Word in that moment to say, I have to have freedom from this. I don't want to cover it up. I don't want a counselor to tell me something. I just, I need freedom. So I ran to God's Word. And in God's Word, I found Jesus. And in Him, He said, I give you my peace. I give you my wholeness. I give you my completion. I give you my restoration. Understanding Philippians 1.6, it says, He who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I know that this anxiety issue is a process that I may deal with for the rest of my life, but in the meantime, I refuse to look at other places and other things and the desires of my heart to fulfill that peace or to fulfill those fears. I'm going to take them to Christ. My mom, when I texted her what I was preaching on, she said, be prepared for anxiety this week. She was right. <laughs> she usually is. But for me, this last point, what Christ's peace is just, 
the game breaker for me that, is, that I continue to drill into my head, and that's Christ's peace is eternally founded. It is eternally grounded. We are eternal beings. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to end. We have confidence in our lives in this world, in this messed up world, in our messed up lives, that our messed up lives are not the end. Sarah Davis's life did not end. It began. And perhaps we get so stressed out and anxious is because this life means everything to us. But the truth of the matter is, our lives are dead now in when we are in Christ. It, it's Galatians 2.20, For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who gave Himself up for me. Perhaps we are so fearful, anxious, and depressed because we love this life too much. And that was the biggest thing that God continued to tell me time and time and time and time again is, Brian, you love this life too much. You love your family too much. You love here too much. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God, for those who are called according to His purpose. We love to quote those things in hard times, but what about the good times? What about our families? Romans 6, and 23 says, but now, having, but now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. If we're struggling with peace in our life, maybe it's because we just simply love this world too much. Christ doesn't say when you accept His life, He accept His cross, His death, His salvation, His redemption, your life here will be great. He says you will have eternal life in Christ. And the life you live now, even though it's still in the flesh, you still live by faith in the Son of God. You don't live in the simple fact that this world is so gravy. This world ain't gravy, fellas, ladies. It's going to let you down. It's going to try to rip the peace of God away from you. And as long as we love this world more than we love God, our emotional well-being and the peace that we have is going to be shattered by every trial and tribulation that comes because we're trying to find our peace here. We're not supposed to find our peace here. We're eternal beings. We're on our way home. Correct? Alright, so here's some reminders. When you face times of fear and sorrow and, and struggle and depression, maybe you need to read the, write these on 3 by 5 cards. If you're struggling in fear, depression, anxiety, I challenge you tonight, now, before you go home, go buy Dollar General, get three by five cards. I don't want to hear excuses. Get cards. Put them, write these scriptures, write these at the header, write these scriptures out, and every single night say them out loud, not in your head, out loud. Tell yourself these, words, these scriptures of who God is. Because this life isn't about you, it's about who God is. 
every night, five times before you go to bed. And if you struggle with that, what's more important in your life than this? Shows you where your priorities are, right? So it's overnight. I'm so going to use that. Um, All right, the first thing is this. You ready? God is good. And all the time, I am a witness. Are you? Does your life show it? What about your anxiety level? What about your depression level? Ooh, okay. Exodus 34, 6. Then the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding, abounding in loving kindness and truth. James 1.17, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. I really want you to at least write that header and those two scriptures down. And I want you to go back and read it. And it's not up there. Here's another one this morning that I read uh, online because Pastor uh, Mark posted it yesterday as we read through the book of James. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trials, For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. We're eternal beings, ladies and gentlemen. And God is good. You can trust in his goodness. And when you don't feel like it, do it anyways. Tell yourself this is what it is. Google God's goodness verses. You can get a lot more than this. Number two, God is sovereign. What does that mean? God's all-powerful. His will will be done. What He wants done will be done. What He wants to do, He is going to do. Colossians 1.7 says, He, which is God, is, above, is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. All things. Say all things. All things. All things. Psalm 139.16 says, Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet... There was not one of them. What does that mean? Every one of your days is already written in God's book and you can't do anything to prolong that. No doctor is going to prolong you one day longer than what God has written in His book. Not one day. Does that mean we shouldn't go to the doctor and get checked out? Heck no! Maybe God's using a doctor to prolong your life until that day. But we can have peace knowing that that day is coming. It's already written. And when he's done, we get to be with him. Sarah Davis's last page was written this past week. Psalm 135.6 says, Whenever the Lord, whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth, in the seas and in the deep. I've got to read this because this is good. This is one of the verses that I wrote down over and 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 over to myself. Job 14.5. You can ask my wife. I still have the cards by my bed. Job 14.5. It says, Man's days are determined. You have decreed the number of his months and have set limits he cannot exceed. No amount of health insurance is going to exceed what God has already decreed in your life. 
And I'm sorry, but that brings peace to my life. Ken Pounders, y'all remember him, right? I called him when I was going through a lot of this stuff, and he actually went through the same episode in his early 30s. And he said, one thing God told me made all the difference in the world. He, said, God, he was praying to God about anxiety, about death, leaving his family, all of these things. And God spoke to him. He said, Ken, I'm not going to let you stay one day longer than I want you to. And you don't want me to keep you here one day longer than I want you to be here. Think about it. God doesn't want you to stay here one day longer. You're not going to stay here one day longer than he wants you gone. But let's just be honest. Do we really want to stay on earth longer than God wants us to stay on earth? If we do, it's probably because we love this world too much. Does that make sense? Number three, Mike, you guys can come back up. Number three, God is at work in your, or God is at work for your good. Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. Matthew 10, 29 through 31 says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. Say that with me. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. God is working in your life. What could be better than our Creator loving us? He's good, He's sovereign, but He's at work in my life. Philippians 1.6, He who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Who's doing the work? He is. God is. God's at work in your life. And the last one is this. God loves you. You can trust Him because He loves you. No greater love is this when a friend lays down his life for another, right? God laid down Christ. He left all of heaven for what? For you, for me. And I read this psalm this week, and I just had to put the whole thing because, not the whole thing, most of it. It's so good. Read along behind me. It says, uh, Psalm 103, 10 through 18, it says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins. Praise God. Right? That's love. He hasn't dealt just on the basis of what we've done, our sins nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His loving kindness towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. For He Himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. We're dust. And yet He sent His own Son to save that dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He is as a flower in the field, so he flourishes. When the wind is passed over it, it is no more. And its place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting for those who fear Him. And on His righteousness to children's children, to those who keep His covenant and remember His precepts to do them. Remember, obedience. His love is from everlasting to everlasting. Romans chapter 8, what does it say? Neither height nor depth, nor angels nor demons. Nothing can separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus. 
Nothing can separate you from that love. So if you're struggling with stress, anxiety, fear, depression, whatever it is today, God has come to make whole. To give you wholeness, completion, peace in your life. You're not made for this world. We cannot find the peace our souls so deeply desires in that wife, in that spouse, in those kids. We can only find it in the love of Christ Jesus. That's the way we were made from the beginning to find our wholeness and our peace in Christ. And that's what we celebrate on Christmas, that love came down in the form of a baby to die on a cross, to forgive us of our sins, to bring us completion, to bring us peace. Because He is the Prince of Peace. That's what you celebrate when you celebrate Christmas. Is the salvation that we have in Christ. So as we spend time in worship today, the altars will be open. If you'd like to spend some time with Jesus this morning, I encourage you to live Philippians chapter 4. Make your request known to God.